Hello, hello, my Let's Keep It Real people. 2023 is off to an amazing start. Thank you so much for your support. Not just with my podcast, but I really appreciate all your wishes and all the ways you supported my keynote and sharing my sizzle reel. I sometimes forget to do that. And then I'll bump into somebody and go, did you just finish an intense course in taking your keynote up to the next level? Yes. Well, why aren't you telling us about it? And then someone will say, I saw your sizzle reel. It's amazing. You need to promote it more. So thank you for the reminder. I love doing it. Anybody that you know that wants a rockin' keynote, my big idea is life doesn't happen to you. You happen to life. I promise I will deliver and make you proud. So I'm going to put that out there. I'm loving doing it. I'm Even if it's a branch of the workshops or the master classes, I am having so much fun. And of course, I apply it to my clients too. But that's enough about me. My next guest, Greg, oh, he is a true blessing. And he is the real deal. I just could have talk, spoken with him for hours. Some of the tips he answered and went through, it was just like mind-blowing. And this guy has traveled all over the world to bring back such valuable information to really help so many people. Some of the tips he went through were like, why is trauma our greatest liability? How do we turn pain into purpose? How do we stop chasing, suppressing, and treating symptoms and actually heal? Oh my God. And everything he said made so much sense. So please like, rate, share. Greg and I definitely will appreciate it. And everyone you send it to will be like, thank you. Enjoy my friends. Love you guys. Toodles. This is Let's Keep It Real with Sandy Joy Weston, your weekly dose of positivity with awesome stories and guests from all over the world. It's an opportunity to learn some great new things and expand your mind. We'll tackle topics from all areas of life, and as always with Sandy, the sky's the limit. Okay, take a deep breath in. I know I've been so excited about my next guest. I love all my guests, of course, but Greg Whiting is my wheelhouse and my jam, and it's so relevant right now. So before I bring him in, let me just tell you a little bit about Greg. Greg helps leaders and entrepreneurs heal anxiety, depression, chronic pain, and trauma so they can lead with bold and courageous hearts. Come on, people. For two decades, he's helped hundreds of clients reduce or eliminate their dependence on antidepressants, anxiety, pain, and sleep meds. Oh, I love this guy already. He addresses the unique, wait, wait a minute, factors at play beneath your pain, namely the unresolved, listen to this guy's trauma that causes inflammation, compromises immune function, stagnates emotion, Fog's thoughts and creates hormonal imbalance. Oh my God. And he's the founder of Prism. I could go on and on about you, Greg, but let's bring you in. How are you? And how's San Francisco? Hey, Sandy, I'm doing great. And San Francisco, it's a beautiful day. Happy to be here with you. All right. Well, let's start out like I do all my guests. Give me one word to best describe your past 30 days and why you would pick that word, whatever it is. Hmm. Good question. I would say 
I'd say focus. Focus. Ooh. Yeah. Okay. Tell me more. Tell me why focus. Um, you know, I think there's just a lot of moving parts going on in my world right now. And it's just kind of keeping the eye on the prize, so to speak. Um, really staying focused on a, a purpose, right? A sense of purpose. My why. Yeah. 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 Well, you know, I always reach out to my peeps before my guests come on and say, what do you want me to ask them? And here's the biggest one I got. So we're going to start right out of the gate with it. They were mostly male entrepreneurs. And I got this over and over again, which I think is funny. <laughs> How can I tell my boss, this is fun. Like I got this in so many different ways. We'll call him Billy Bob. How can I tell my boss that he would be a much better leader if he dealt with his past i.e. trauma. <laughs> so it wasn't about them. Now, I did get questions about them. But over and over, my peeps said, how can I tell my, you know, leader, my manager, my CEO or CFO, like, I know this would help them. Yeah. Um, well, a, a lot of times folks don't want to be told that they need help. <laughs> and so... Um, and that's the truth. And so... I think for me, it's really sharing my own journey of healing helps inspire others to maybe start to open up to the possibility of how healing may be a support to them. So I think relationally, just sharing one's own story of how they have been moved, how they have been, you know, opening to new possibilities in their life through a healing journey. And I think that is what starts to create kind of um, a safe environment for folks to open up to the possibility of healing within their own lives. So it's less directive and it's a less of a direct mm. ask. It's more of an invitation, Ooh, I like that. more of an invitation to start to have a conversation about mental health, about wellness, about healing. Um, so starting yeah. a conversation instead of barreling in with a direct agenda and a direct ask. So do you find they want to know that, women are more open to dealing with trauma than men or is it equal for you you know i have i have lots of male and female clients and students um i'd say over the years i probably have had more female clients and students but i i i'd hate to make any broad statements um yeah although yeah. i do think that you know there is probably a barrier to entry to healing culturally for men who mm -hmm. have grown up within a culture that has told them to have all the answers, to go at their own way, to go it on their own and to figure it all out mm -hmm. on their own. Um, I think that that could be a bit more of a barrier to entry for men. But I also see that changing. You know, there's lots of men's groups yeah. and there's lots of awareness around just how, you know, we all need healing. We're living in a in a culture mm -hmm. that feeds off of alienation and isolation that just perpetuates cycles of trauma. And I think the collective is waking up to the fact that we have an opportunity to start to to heal the past, to lead the future in a different direction. So do you feel, well, let, let, let me back up a second. They want to know, what's your definition of trauma? How would you define trauma? Because a lot of the people were saying they feel like they've had trauma in their life and they'll tell their spouse and they'll go, that's not trauma. So they're like, please ask Greg, how does he define trauma? Sure. 
Yeah. I mean, a lot of folks think that trauma is just these catastrophic events like, you know, being in a war zone or being a refugee or being, you know, the victim of violent crime or sexual assault. Um, so while that is all traumatic, there's also trauma that can be just long-term exposure to stress. So trauma could be too much too soon. It could be too much for too long. Or I think what is even more insidious, which a lot of people don't understand as trauma is, um, too little for too long. And so meaning in early development, if we don't have our basic needs met reliably and consistently, mm. well, that lack of emotional attunement can signal that, you know, in early development, if we're not getting our basic needs met, that can signal life or death. So that can perpetuate a lot of hypervigilance and a, a big fear trauma response of fight, flight, freeze, or appease. So that's where a lot of folks think, well, nothing bad happened to me, so I don't have any yeah, trauma. Yeah. Well, often trauma is we didn't have the right support. So trauma could be anything where we feel isolated, alone, unsupported, misunderstood, where we lack safety and support. I never thought of that. I really did. I mean, I know it wasn't, you know, it didn't have to be something severe, but I never thought of that too little for too long. So when you meet with people to uncover their trauma, does it take a while? Like, I guess everyone's different, right? Some people open up quicker than others. Yeah, it's a good question. You know, the focus of my work is actually not on uncovering trauma so much as helping to restore what gets distorted or hijacked because of trauma. And so there's a term called innate wisdom, and this was first developed in chiropractic decades ago. And innate wisdom mm. refers to the healing mechanism that, <clears throat> let's say when we get a paper cut, there is a healing intelligence that sends platelets and proteins and orchestrates all these biochemical transmissions to heal that paper cut. And when we experience stress and trauma, the nervous system gets yeah. short-circuited. And when the nervous system gets short-circuited, we start to lose our connection to that innate wisdom. So our innate capacity to heal becomes disrupted and compromised. So my job is to not focus on trauma or pain or wounding or the anxiety or the depression. My focus is helping people restore their connection to their innate wisdom. And in doing so, all of the maladaptations to stress and trauma start to reorganize and restructure. So people find more of their own alignment and more of their own balance. In some cases, that does mean it gives them the fortitude or the capacity mm. to confront or face their trauma and their wounding. Um, and they can see it for what it is. They can then start to understand the behaviors and the beliefs and the identity structures that have been organized around it. And that then becomes a very empowering kind of reset where we it's like hitting the refresh button on the computer screen mm. where we just start to update all of the information in terms of who we are. So we're no longer structured around the pain and the wounding, but we're structured around this connection to our innate wisdom, which is highly intelligent and a very powerful force. Greg, are you there? I find that fascinating. Yeah, I find it <laughs> fascinating. 
I am sitting here with my jaw. I wish you could see me. My jaw's <laughs> open because I never heard anyone say it in that way that touched my heart. And it was like I was having this big aha moment. Like, oh, my God, that makes so much sense to me. So let's just back up a little bit in that I once remember a therapist saying that when people come to them, they don't say, okay, what's your problem? They come to them and say, why are you here? Like, how can I help you? And sometimes it does mean they have to talk about things that, that happened in the past, but sometimes not. In a way, is that sim? I, I know it's not the same thing similar to you. Like sometimes they may talk about their trauma and sometimes they may not even need to. Yeah. You know, how each of us processes and heals is unique. And so there's a traditional kind of model, let's say, that talks about top down or bottom up processing. So top down processing means we need to figure something out intellectually before we can make sense of it in our bodies. And people who process bottom up, they need to feel it through their bodies before the light bulb goes off and they grok it intellectually. And this might even be new information for folks in terms of, well, what do you mean make sense of it in the body? Yeah. You know, so yeah. trauma gets stored in the body. The conscious mind is only 5% of what we think and believe. So the subconscious yeah. and the unconscious Crazy. mind is actually what we really believe. And so what we really believe is stored in our tissues. It's stored in our cells. And so that's where, you know, the residue of trauma and pain starts to collect within the tissues. And that starts to impact our physiological function and, you know, all aspects of our physical, mental, emotional health. And so how I work with energy medicine, which I can kind of create a framework to understand energy medicine, is helping people process more multidirectionally. So we may help to release an emotion stored in a body part, but all of a sudden that starts to help them think differently. And so then their neurotransmitters are firing differently. And then that has a cascading effect on a behavior. And then all of a sudden that has a, a relational shift to their posture. Um, you know, I share my own journey. If you met me 25 years ago when I was suffering from severe chronic pain, anxiety, and depression, I also had a severe curve in my spine. And so today I actually stand three inches taller than I did 25 years ago. So healing helped me process the residue of trauma stored in my body, which was holding my body in a whole lot of protective Ugh. mechanisms, right? So yeah. you can think yeah. the beliefs and behaviors I was holding was the world is dangerous. It's not safe. I have to guard and protect my heart. That's why I was hunched over, right? So as my body started to process the residue of trauma stored in my body, and I started to regulate my nervous system and calm the cardiovascular system and feel safe and connected, I no longer needed to harbor all of that costuming that was organized around quote unquote victimhood. So not only did my posture start to change, but my physiology started to change, my beliefs started to change, my behavior started to change. Because the entire organizational intelligence of who I was started to come into more alignment. So as I came back into connection with my innate wisdom, my whole system, body, mind, and spirit was able to restructure. Mm. And so, you know, that idea, 
of energy medicine, I like to use the imagery that the body and the mind and the spirit are a symphony orchestra. And so, again, when we lose connection with the innate wisdom, then all of a sudden the sweet musicality of being, this harmony and this resonance that we are, starts to get distorted. And so instead of experiencing health and music, we start to create a whole lot of noise. So the more we connect to our innate wisdom, we break up those interference patterns, we break up that noise, and we just come back into the natural harmonic resonance of who we are. Where were you a few years ago, Greg? Where were you? <laughs> <laughs> Helping people heal no, here in San Francisco. <laughs> uh, I know. No. Okay. So there's so many questions I want to ask you, but first I just want to tell you a little story. And I don't even think most of my listeners know this. So it was probably June 2019. I got hit with something that no one could describe, but I was out for the count. Like my neck just seized up. Like the nerves in my neck were just causing so much pain up into my head. They were doing MRIs, CAT scans. I mean, they didn't know. I mean, they thought, okay, she's fallen off her mountain bike a million times, which I have on my left side. But all of a sudden, overnight, Greg, I could not literally move, go to the bathroom, take a shower, like work like a person that works like a crazy person. Mm. I couldn't type. I couldn't do anything. And finally, the right physical therapist healer was brought into my life. And she's like, I know what it is. And then I spoke to my mentor about this. And he goes, oh, my God, I'm so glad you got this gift. I go, I want to kill you right now. But he was more with the mindset of how you work with people. And he said, oh, my God, this is such a gift because I had severe trauma in my childhood that I didn't deal with or want to admit. And was just always the pippy, skippy, happy person. And he goes, it's in your body. It's going to come out one way or another. And so during that time, I don't want to go into the whole process, but between the two of them, oh, my God, it it. Like I didn't understand it, but when I was ready, it all released from my body. And besides, you know, me feeling like I'm a whole new person and my connection, because I was always very spiritual connected to my higher part, but it was in a whole different way. Mm -hmm. And I felt I didn't have to, which I felt fake joy. It was coming through as pure joy. Mm -hmm. It was the craziest thing. And I didn't understand it at the time. I still don't really understand it. Like I'm thinking this is something that the world needs to hear what you're talking about because I was I didn't really understand what was going on in me. I knew my body held trauma and I knew I was pretending none of it happened and it just came out of my body everywhere. I mean like it was like crazy. Well, and that's the beautiful thing about healing. I have clients who have had, you know, similar remarkable healing shifts and transformations and you know they'll refer their friends and family to me and you know i hear it time and time again i don't know how he does it or exactly what he does i just know it works yeah <laughs> and, and you know yeah. Over, yeah. i mean i also have students where i teach folks so if people want to learn how it works and learn how to heal themselves that's you know a possibility and and this, and yeah. the, you know, healing is very practical and accessible when you just have the right tools and the right roadmap. And, um, but yeah, it takes, it takes time to understand these mechanisms, but at the essence, we are just connecting to our innate wisdom and just breaking up the noise, which are these maladaptations to stress mm. and trauma. 
and we just come back into this harmonic resonance. And, you know, a lot of that is just shaking off the, the stress response, which is something we as humans don't do so well. Um, you know, if you think of a bird that flies into a window and it drops to the ground in shock, you know, you think the bird is dead, but it's just in a freeze response. It really can't absorb the, yes. the impact. And over time, it starts to twitch and it starts to shake off that impact and that shock and it starts to freeze off that thaw response and it finds the wind beneath its wings and it, and it takes flight again. And so healing is helping us thaw out that freeze response, which again is going to distort all aspects of our health, right? I look at disease as stagnation and I look at health as movement and expression. So anytime we're holding on to trauma, that's creating this residue, this calcification, this rigidity that is holding us mm. stuck, right? It's holding us hostage yeah. in a pattern of stagnation. And so healing is just helping us return back to our fluid body, a place of movement and expression of, you know, that's really dynamic and expressive. So Greg, you said that 25 years ago, this is when you had your healing and it was like miraculous. At that time, were you in a different career and did you change career paths or did you always know this is what you wanted to do? Yeah, I was working, a, I was in a very different world. And although I would say there was something miraculous about my healing, it wasn't a one and done and it wasn't overnight. So, you know, my, my spine didn't unravel three inches overnight. <laughs> you know, that was a yeah. gradual yeah. process. <laughs> yeah. But my first experience of healing was when I was introduced to energy medicine and I found myself kind of just experience myself outside of my pain. And for the first 20 plus years of my life prior to that, it's like I didn't know who I was outside of my pain. And so getting a glimpse that I am not my pain and getting to start mm. to feel myself outside of my pain body was miraculous. And then that started that catapulted me into, you know, a journey of healing. But yeah, at the time I was working in the nonprofit world. And so I was always very oh. mission driven. But, you know, in my pursuit to do good in the world, I felt like I was destroying myself. So I had a whole lot of passion and a whole lot of heart, but I started to feel pretty burned out and empty and depleted and, you know, lacking the fulfillment. And that's that was a pretty clarifying point for me because I felt like, wow, yeah. I'm doing something so near and dear to my heart, but I feel dead inside. So something's got to give. <laughs> and that's when I started to become aware that, you know, I was, you know, inches away from antidepressants and pain meds. But I just started to realize that, you know, I don't want to just suppress symptoms. I don't just want to chase symptoms. Um, and I started to have an awareness that there was trauma beneath all of this pain. And mm. I also realized that a lot of traditional approaches to therapy, while valuable, really lacked the capacity to help my body metabolize the trauma that was keeping this, you know, grip of pain and, you know, the, the scoliosis and all the anxiety and depression organized around it. So that started a, a journey to kind of discover mm -hmm. other tools and practices and pathways to actually help me heal on a deeper level. You know, some of my people said they were researching you a little bit for me and they love the fact 
that you not only mention, you know, your spirituality and the healing, but you also talk a lot about science. Yeah, I want to. Well, yeah, first, yeah, I think that in Chinese medicine, there's a term called Shen and Shen is loosely translated as spirit. And I love the imagery that it's talked about the light that shines through the eyes. And it's the understanding that there is one light that is shining through all eyes. And so I do think that we can't heal without a recognition of spirit. And so, yeah, Mm -hmm. I I draw upon Advaita Vedanta philosophy, non-dualism, Chinese medicine, and just an understanding and the energy medicine piece, Reiki, universal life force energy. Oh my gosh. So plugging into, you know, this universal current of life force energy and spirit. And that is very much at the heart of my practice. But being able to overlay that with an understanding of science as best we can to demystify and democratize healing to make it as accessible and practical as possible. And how I teach and what I share is not dependent upon belief. So if people don't have a belief in spirit, or yeah. that's okay. Have an experience. Yeah. Yeah. I've had yeah. plenty of people who have come to me who have said, you know, I don't believe in in spiritual. I don't have a spiritual practice, but, you know, my spouse, I've seen them, you know, transform. And now I want to get rid yeah. of this pain. And people just start to have their own experience. I say, don't take my word for it. Have your own experience. And you know, a lot of people, if they're sick and tired of being sick and tired, are maybe willing to try something new. And, and there's just that much more growing research around the efficacy of Reiki, you know, energy medicine is now in a lot of oncology settings and hospitals, right? So it's this work is (laughs) becoming more and more accessible in mainstream settings. And people are realizing, you know, the limitation of, especially when it comes to things like chronic pain, anxiety, and depression, really realizing the limitation of just treating with medication. Uh, And that's a big part for me. I really want to really remove stigma around mental health. I don't even like the term mental illness. I think mental illness is really just unresolved trauma. And there's not a drug. Yeah, there's not a drug out there on the market that's going to help you heal unresolved trauma. You know, we a lot of folks are taking antidepressants and, you know, because they've been taught that chemical imbalance is causing their anxiety or depression. Number one, research hasn't actually proven that. Number two, we don't even really understand why people have chemical imbalance. So to treat chemical imbalance without actually working to help people heal trauma and attachment wounding, uh, I think is irresponsible. I think there's a time and a place for pain and symptom management. And for some folks that may be necessary. Mm -hmm. And I honor that there's no judgment or shame in that. But a lot of folks are told that that's all they need to do. And they're not actually given the opportunity to do this deeper healing to address what's beneath the surface of the iceberg. So what if chemical imbalance is also a symptom, right? Just like anxiety and depression. And the tip of the iceberg being those symptoms, the underbelly of that iceberg is attachment, wounding, and trauma. And fortunately, there we are remarkably resilient and we have a tremendous capacity to heal. Um, and so, yeah, I like to bridge the world of spirit and science So, yeah. Um, yeah. To, to help people access this work. 
So do you ever work, Greg, hand in hand with a client that also is seeing a psychiatrist or therapist? Yeah, one of my biggest referral partners is a psychiatrist, and he reached out to me because we had a client in common, and he all of a sudden needed to, she was no longer in need of the medications that he had been prescribing her for some time. And to his, and this happens a lot. A lot of times that'll happen. And uh, uh, a doctor will say, well, it must, I must have misdiagnosed you. And to his credit, he said, yeah. are you doing anything differently? Uh, and she said, yeah, I'm, I'm working with this guy, Greg. And to his credit, he picked up the phone and reached out to me and he was really curious. He's like, how do you work? What are you doing? Because, you know, my patient no longer needs medication and she's, you know, doing a lot better. And so he, you know, so we developed a relationship and and he still he'll joke with his patients that he refers to me. Uh, even though we've yeah. talked, you know, but he still, you know, he doesn't, even though I've, you know, sp had a few phone conversations with him, you know, he doesn't, he hasn't studied energy medicine, you know, so he obviously doesn't know how it works, even if I spent 20 minutes on a call with him to describe it. So yeah, he sends his PTSD and his complex uh, trauma patients to me who, um, you know, have often been medicating for years. And again, that's yeah. maybe helping folks tread water, right? It's helping people you know, keep their head above water. Um, and they're ready to come and do the deeper work to actually resolve, you know, what's beneath the surface. And so in a lot of cases, these folks are then reducing and eliminating their dependence on medication. That's never on, you know, my directive. That's, you know, they're in yeah, continual yeah. contact with their um, psychiatrist. And that's a decision they make, you know, between themselves and their psychiatrist. But as they start to heal and get better, well, then they don't yeah. need to they don't need to medicate their yeah. their pain so much. Oh, I am so happy you're doing this work, Greg. I, I am just so thrilled that you are out there spreading this word, spreading the message. And I can tell that you're a seeker of knowledge. It sounds like you just want to keep growing in every area because you have a lot of things in your wheelhouse. Well, everything I share was what I had to piece together to heal myself. So, mm. you know, I stand three inches taller today. I no longer live in chronic pain. I no longer suffer from anxiety or depression. And that was, you know, a long journey of traveling to India and Asia and South oh. America and from coast to coast to learn different systems and methodologies. And then what I've done is I've literally reverse engineered all of those practices that have helped me heal to create mm. a system that is now readily accessible for folks so they can, you know, actually learn everything I've learned, but in a much more linear, logical manner um, that's mm. all laid out and also online. So from the comfort of one's own home. So folks don't need to yeah. travel the globe to piece together all of, you know, these practices to heal themselves. Um, and yeah, I'm, um, I'm have, just a forever seeker. Fun. So I continue to learn and grow and forever a student. Yeah. Okay. I know you probably liked every place that you traveled, but name one place that stuck out and how long were you there? Because that sounds like unbelievable to me that you were able to go to those places and experience it. Well, 
I mean, the first place that comes to mind, I just love, I love Hawaii. So I've spent a lot of time on the big island. Um, oh. There's this place, the Black Sand Beach um, on the Puna side of the big island. Hawaii is just spectacular. And so I've spent a lot of time there, uh, both teaching and learning. But where I've seen, oh. where I was the longest, I was in India for a good eight months um, back in. Wow. Gosh, I was probably 27, 20, 27, 28. And so that's where, you know, I'd, I had been studying energy medicine and Reiki in Seattle for four years and, you know, just started to really transform and started to feel the curve in my spine unravel. And my teacher at the time had introduced me to a lot of meditations. And so that launched me to, yeah, an eight-month journey and an eight-month stay in India, where then I started to build upon more of the somatic and the mindfulness-based practices. So the energy medicine I found was helping to calm the cardiovascular system, regulate the nervous system, you know, strengthen the immune system. But then the mindfulness and the somatics was really the mind training to help reorient the brain from pain to possibility and to dissolve identification with wounding to live in with into more presence, you know, present moment awareness. Um, And so that eight months in India was, yeah, pretty mind blowing for sure. So are you going to travel anywhere like in the next year or two? Is there anywhere you have in your plans? I don't have any plans right now. I'm kind of in, you know, I had traveled so much um, prior yeah. to moving to San Francisco nine years ago that, um, you know, I'm kind of enjoying being a little more hunkered down and just, you know, little getaways here and there. Um, yeah, I've reached a point I was talking to a, a, one of my mentors where, you know, now my work is to really synthesize and metabolize everything I've learned. And, you know, that's what I've done in creating Prisma. And so Mm -hmm. now I'm just like kind of marinating in that. And not to say I won't go off on some other journeys. I feel like I've had a few different, you know, so I've had that eight month stint in India in my late 20s. And then before I moved to San Francisco nine years ago, that's when I was in South America. So I feel like these were each like some like hero's journeys, if you will, where I was just in a big phase of, of seeking and, you know, expansion and kind of deep dive into, you know, healing. And so we'll see life has like a cyclical way of, you know, moving. So who knows (laughs) when the next deep dive will be. Yeah. So tell us a little bit more about Prisma. Because sure. I know you, I know you work with clients one on one, and I wasn't sure if you, they want to know if you do group settings, master classes, workshops. But tell us a little bit more about that company. Yeah, so Prisma is the healing system that I have created, and so yeah, I work with clients one on one, but I also have an entire online course and training program and community that oh. is an ongoing community, so people can onboard at any time and then have a year long access to basically the course itself is a trauma and neuroscience roadmap. I found that for me, you know, I was on my healing path, going to therapy, going to healers for probably a few years without even understanding what the nervous system was, without even really knowing where I was headed on this healing path. You know, I knew I was on the right, I knew I was on the right track, but not knowing where I was or where I was headed. So the, the roadmap helps people so they're not traveling blindfolded and it helps them understand kind of 
you know, the, the phases of healing and the, the work that's before them. And tied into that is the seven Prisma pillars, which are really the drop pins on that roadmap. And I think they're helping map an arc of transformation from pain to purpose. And then paired beside that are the somatic and mindfulness-based practices, <clears throat> excuse me, which, yeah. as I said earlier, is the mind training to really mm -hmm. help to shift. You know, the mind is always focusing on what's bad, what's wrong, what's dangerous. So helping to shift the mind to possibility. And then the energy medicine component is, yeah, helping people have the right vehicle that helps us heal, you know, especially when it comes to the trauma that can be stored in the body. There's just some pain that we can't think or talk our way through. And so energy medicine and Reiki is just a really effective means to heal these subterranean patterns of trauma stored in the tissues, stored in the cells that are impacting physiological function and physical and mental health. And so I found that pairing all of these pieces together creates a really robust framework for healing, a complete system of healing. So, you wow. know, while people get a lot of benefit from working with me one-on-one, -on -one, it's like, let me give yeah. you the tools so you can heal yourself. Yeah. I didn't know you had a course like that. That's incredible. Yeah. It's a whole, it's so there's a long time to put together. Yeah. There's a whole course. And then there, you know, the, the energy medicine piece are actually live one day retreats that there's nine retreats throughout the year that are all online. So people there's live access to me and the community. And then there's also, you know, the course, which is kind of people can access at their own time, pre-recorded modules and workbooks. So you get a lot of support from different angles. You know, Greg, I know we have to wrap up soon. I'm looking at all the questions I still have from my people, but I'm going to try to get in just a few that I, again, that I kept getting over and over again. Sure. And one of them you know, here, they were talking about, which you mentioned, I think when I was looking your overview, are you guilty of perfectionism, hustling for your own worth? How does that relate to trauma? Sure. Yeah, particularly I work with a lot of leaders and entrepreneurs who are, you know, this high achieving perfectionist kind of mindset. And, you know, what's the underbelly yeah. of perfectionism? It's often shame and fear. And, you know, so if we didn't get our developmental needs met in early childhood, it will often signal to us that something's wrong with us. So we learn subconsciously early on, <clears throat> excuse me, that we either need to perform or hide parts of ourselves to get our needs met. And then we also learn if our needs aren't being met reliably, that we probably can't depend on others. So we need to figure it all out on our own, right? So we better not make mistakes yeah, in this world because yeah. that could be pretty dire. That could be life or death. So, you know, that and then what fuels perfectionism is oftentimes a whole lot of self-criticism, right? And since perfectionism isn't actually possible, you know, then that that attempt to be perfect just really starts to undermine our capacity to just make it through the world, right? And so, yeah. yeah, perfectionism and burnout, you know, and that was my own story in the world of being in a nonprofit, right? And so 
I, I find that a lot of folks come to me with that same kind of MO, high achieving perfectionists. And it's like this pedal to the metal mindset where healing is really helping people start to understand what is driving them. And is it this nervous system drive of like fight or flight? Right. And so, you know, yeah. on the flip side of that, there's the freeze and the, the appease. So, you know, helping people understand how they're showing up in the world and how the nervous system is, you know, really at play. So we can start to make sense of and then, you know, make sense and understand how the nervous system is driving us and start to come up with other options, start to be able to do the repair work so we can, you know, instead of defaulting to fight, flight, freeze or appease, expand our window of tolerance to come back into more of an optimal zone of arousal where we're not defaulting to our survival brain, but we reclaim access to our upper brain of logic and reason. So, Greg, do you ever get people saying, I don't want you to take away my trauma or my pain because if I didn't have this, it wouldn't drive me to be as successful as I am? Like, you know, especially with the leaders you're working with, the CEOs and CFOs that started their own companies, do they feel that if it wasn't for that, they wouldn't be where they are today? Yeah, great question. And yeah, I've had that conversation with folks. I mean, I think by the time most people find me, they've already started to do a bit of a cost payoff analysis where they realize that that drive is probably costing them more than it's paying off. Um, and yet, mm -hmm. yeah, I've very much had a conversation. I'm remembering with one client in particular, you know, very successful entrepreneur who thought, well, I don't know. Am I going to get up and am I going to do all of what it takes to, you know, to get the job done if I don't, if I'm not being fueled by this cortisol, this total, you know, flush of like stress hormones. Yeah. And, yeah. And that's a process. It's like I often talk about we are building scaffolding for a new way of being, right? We're creating a new mm -hmm. template for a new possibility. And before we fully lean on that new template, we will default back to the old template until we realize that we can really lean on this new support structure that we've developed. Um, and so I'd say over the course of six months, there was like this tension where they were finding, wow, I am more relaxed and more present than I've ever been. And that would be really wonderful until it freaked them out, right? Because if we've never yeah. been accustomed to <laughs> yeah. being relaxed, that doesn't feel safe. That feels threatening because yeah. what how yeah. we've learned to feel safe in the world is by never letting our guard down, right? But over time, the healing repair happens when they came to understand, wow, I actually was relaxed. I set new boundaries and I didn't have to be the one to put out all the fires and actually nothing bad yeah. happened. And in fact, I made more sales or, you know, I, you yeah. know, business yeah. continued yeah. to grow and the sky didn't fall. And so it's like the repair happens when we get a taste of that new possibility. And then it starts to signal to the body, brain, and the nervous system that, oh, we are okay in this new template, in this new scaffolding. So then it helps the old structures of behaviors and beliefs to start to fall away. And so we start to be able to, yeah, lean into really 
the truth of who we are when we're no longer organized around survival patterns. Um, and so that's, there's a tension in that process, right? And some of it yeah. is yeah. kind of the balance between motivation and inspiration. What are we motivated to move away from, which is often fear-based and often you know fueled by pain? And then the tension of what we're inspired to move towards, which is rather aspirational, right? And so, and I think that's where coming back to this essence of spirit and connection to, yeah, connection to spirit is where we get a connection to aspiration and inspiration. Greg, I am so sad that we have to go. I just love you. And I'm sitting here (laughs) thinking, I'm going to send this to so many people. I just cannot wait for this to come out. Even in my own head, I mean, I've been an entrepreneur my whole life and I love what I've done and I've loved the journey. And I remember my mentors saying to me, you know, Sandy, you're going to be underestimated and it's going to be your secret weapon. I go, what do you mean? They're like, well, you're too happy and joyful. People will not think you're a great business person because you're like, oh, you know, having fun and ease and flow. And I always wanted to enjoy it. And I didn't for most of it, not, I'm not saying all the time, right? But there was most part, I didn't want to get sucked into that. He goes, yeah, but people don't think that you're going to make it because you're not stressed out and anxious like they're going to think you don't care so much i'm like isn't that the dumbest thing you ever heard greg it's just so dumb to me well that's that's our cultural programming for you right and so yeah yeah healing helps us not default to that programming and stay more true to to us right so much of healing is coming Mm. back into our own authentic authority and just the power of presence Mm. all right Well, I'm going to have to go now. I keep saying, okay, one more minute, one more minute. But before we go, before we go, and I just love you. I don't know what I want to do with you, but I have so many clients that I know would love you. Tell us every which way we can find you. Sure. Um, Gregwhiting.com, which is W-I-E-T-I-N-G. And yeah, you can learn more about my one-on-one work and all about the Prisma course, community and training. And it all starts with a phone call. Um, schedule a, a live and free discovery call. And we talk about where you're at, where you want to be. And we just discover if we're a good fit. You know, we kind of are vetting each other out to see if we can really create a win-win for a really powerful arc of transformation. Oh. I can breathe and I'm feeling myself like send out the energy to everyone who's listening to say, I know, I know my let's keep it real people. You are going to want to share this, rate this like this with every single person, you know, there isn't a person and you know, I don't say that often. There isn't a person that couldn't benefit from listening to Greg. Greg, thank you so much for being on. I really appreciate you taking the time. I love what you're doing and I'm so happy that you're doing this and giving this to the world. Thanks, Sandy. It's been really great to connect and I really appreciate the good work you're doing in the world. So thanks for your time. You're welcome. All right. You know what I'm going to say until next time. Toodles. Thanks for listening. Be sure to share and subscribe if you enjoyed the show. And remember, keep spreading the positive.